Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, your guide to everything love, sex, intimacy, and relationships. Each week, your host, Zach Beach, interviews new experts on love, including couples therapists, relationship coaches, sex educators, and best-selling authors. Learn the best tips and cutting-edge wisdom to better love yourself, others, and the world. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Learn to Love podcast, everyone. I am your host, Zach Beach, and I'm here with the incredible author and relationship skills trainer, Bento Leal. Hi, Bento, and welcome to the show. Hey, Zach. Thank you very much. Great being here. Today, we are going to talk about the power of empathic listening. And for those that don't know, Bento Leal is a relationship skills trainer and author who has taught marriage and relationship skills classes and parenting skills classes to more than 2,500 couples and singles at family resource centers, community organizations, churches, schools, substance abuse recovery programs, county jails, and federal prisons in California. In 2017, he published his book, Four Essential Keys to Effective Communication in Love, Life, Work, and Anywhere. It continues to be an Amazon bestseller in several categories and has sold more than 75,000 copies to date. Based in the San Francisco Bay Area, Bento has been happily married for 41 years with three adult children. How are you doing today, Bento? Great, Zach. Uh, yeah, that's quite a journey when you when you read the story there. It's been a, it's been a <laughs> wonderful ride. Yeah, I'm really appreciative that you came onto the show because I have lots of questions about effective and empathic communication. Now, I first just want to learn a little bit more about your background because you've been working in the field of interpersonal communication for over a decade now. And I know with COVID and with the pandemic upending all of our ways of life, what we're doing now is a little bit differently than what we were doing before. But it's a profession many people are unfamiliar with. So what does an interpersonal communication skills trainer do? Well, pretty much the definition of the activity is in those phrases, bringing people together so they can express to each other well, listen well to each other, and create healthy dialogue, whatever topic they're talking about. And of course, we're constantly in communication, whether on the family level, intimate level, work level, neighborhood level, you name it, we're talking with people and listening to people. And this is where things can go well or where things can go poorly. And in 2007, I was, well, actually it's 2005, I was asked by the president of a nonprofit organization I was working with in Oakland, we just received a federal grant to help inner city families with a lot of their challenging situations. And one of the areas was relationships. And I was sent, he said, go to Sacramento and do this class and see what it's like for the people we serve. And while I was in the class, I saw that, wow, this is stuff I need to know personally. And that really got, on, got me on the path, not only to teach it for others, but most importantly, for all the benefits it meant for me personally in my own life and relationships. Yeah. So I appreciate you emphasizing that we use communication in all of our relationships, right? I know when people say, oh, what's the key to an intimate relationship? The answer tends to be communication. Mm -hmm. But of course, we communicate to our coworkers, our friends and family. And in your experience, whether you're at a prison or rather at a workplace or rather you're helping an intimate relationship, do you find that the same communication skills apply across all relationships? Yes, I do. I really think they do. I mean, People have different circumstances that will either put them in a good situation like job and family or a wrong choice is made and they find themselves incarcerated. Uh, that's the other side of the spectrum and every place in between. But uh, we are social beings. 
and we're designed that way. We have ears, we have mouth, we, our eyes look out instead of into ourselves. We're designed to relate to others. And a lot of the same things are there. People want to be heard. They want to be understood uh, for what they said and what the way they feel. And they want to be able to express themselves in a way that the other person will be open to hear and receive it. And even though that's what everybody wants, actually, there are skills involved to do it rightly or do it wrongly if you don't know the skills or use the skills correctly. So that's where we come in. So it's so true. We all need to connect. And that's why we're here to talk about how we can strengthen and deepen those connections. So I love that you said as social beings, we have ears and mouth because communication is a two-way road, right? There's communicating with the mouth and listening with the ears. So let's talk about listening right. with the ears first, because you do talk about okay. in your workshops and also in your book around the challenges around listening, including getting distracted, which happens to a lot of us. We're listening to somebody and we're thinking of something else. But often when we're trying to listen, we're actually just preparing for what we are going to say next. Right. So, you know, when I think about like getting distracted or also just thinking about what we're going to say while somebody else is talking, it seems very like fundamental to the human experience. And I'm wondering, how do we get past these listening blocks? Well, the key point is to immediately value the other person. I get into that in the first skill in my book before I get to empathic listening, which is empathic awareness skill, which is to really value the unique and special nature of the person you're talking to, whether it's somebody intimate in it, like your your spouse or your family member, or whether a colleague at work or a customer or whomever, that you value them as a human being. You value yourself and you value them. And I think already starting with that kind of proactively, raising them up as a person that deserves your respect. And if you lead with respect, then it really it really ratchets up the intentionality of, of wanting to listen well to make sure you understand what he or she is trying to tell you. So I think it really is the lens that you put on. And of course, there's some topics are more important than others to listen to. If somebody's saying, gee, I just got off the phone with my mom and my I find out that, that my dad is you know, gravely ill. Well, that's, a, that's another topic versus, hey, I'm going to go to the store. I'll be back in a couple hours. Well, that's a different kind of topic. But where it's really an emotional type of topic, whether happy, sad, whatever, that's where we really want to have our antenna up to really listen to where the other person is coming from. And without interrupting, without thinking what we're going to say next, but really try to listen to them. We say empathy from, from their point of view. Try to put yourself in their shoes. That's really the key is try to be there. And to know that even if I've got a different opinion, I don't need to interrupt right now. I'll get my turn later. But I've got to do respect for them to really make sure I understand what they're saying, even if I have a different point of view. I love that emphasis on immediately valuing this other person, appreciating their perspective mm -hmm. and also mm -hmm. adding a level of respect to the relationship. So you've mentioned it many times, this yeah. idea of empathic listening, and you just touched on it a little bit. Basically, sometimes we're communicating really simple information, right? Like this is how you get to the gas mm -hmm. station, or I'm going to go to the grocery store mm -hmm. and pick this up. And there's other times where we're communicating a certain emotion. And that's when we want to, as you say, turn the antenna on. So what is empathic listening, first of all? Well, empathic listening, I've whittled it down to what I consider to be five steps. It's a common topic out there. I call it empathic listening. Stephen Covey had called it empathic listening. There's active listening. There's power listening. There's reflective listening. They're all kind of the same kind of technique. And I put it down to five steps. And the, and the first step is to quiet your own mind 
and focus on the other person as they're speaking. That really means, like you said, you know, don't distract, don't look at the clock while somebody's talking to you, don't look at your watch or cell phone. Just get all clutter out of the way, pause button any thoughts that you have, and really zero in on them and their story. So it really is quiet your mind, focus on the other person. Then the second part is listen fully and openly to what they are saying, not only in their words, and I get into this more deeply in my book, but also by their body language. There's been studies done that the conclusion is people speak more through their body language than they do through their words. In that case, you might listen more through your eyes than through your ears. So you want to you want to pay attention to the body language, the, the tone of voice, the facial expression, the way their posture is. So you really need to look at the other person, ideally, unless it's over the phone. And then you try to just accentuate your ears a little more clearly and try to feel where they're coming from. So listen fully and openly to what they are saying without any defensiveness or thinking about what you're going to say next. Number three, the third step is listen through the words to the underlying and deeper feelings you sense from the speaker, but they may have not articulated in the two or three sentences that they mentioned, because as we know, people have their thoughts and feelings, but those are not in word form. Those are, uh, those are images. Those are sensations. And when, when somebody wants to grab some vocabulary and speak a few sentences, if you only listen to the words, well, that's vocabulary. But what are they meaning underneath those words? What are they trying to convey that you sense from them? So I get into that more deeply. I listen through the words, the underlying feelings that they're trying to communicate. Number four, then, big step would be don't interrupt them when they're speaking to you. Really listen all the way through. Now, you can ask them to pause and restate something for greater clarification, and that'll be okay because they know that you're trying to understand them more clearly. But it's not the time to jump in and say, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. That happened to me yesterday. <laughs> and then you hijack the conversation. So listen all the way through. Don't interrupt. And here's the key one. Number five would be say back the essence in your own words, what you sense from them. So Zach, sounds like you had a really challenging experience the other day on your job. Or, hey, boy, you really had a blast when you went to Yosemite for that weekend. Whatever it is, you validate that you heard them correctly. And if you got it correctly, they'll say, yeah. Or they might say, well, it's not so much that I was sad by what they said. It was more like I was really angry with what they said. So then, oh, so you're really angry with what they said. So saying back the essence of what you heard helps the person know whether you got it right. And if you did, they'll verify that. Or they may may make it clearer. But if you just nod your head, they might think you got it correctly, but you might be nodding your head at a misinterpretation. And I've seen this in my couples classes many times where people are talking, but without that verification, they misunderstand each other. And then sometimes they throw up their hands and say, why do we even communicate? You don't understand me. So, And usually it's both people that don't understand each other. We try to correct that right away with empathic listening. And many times that gets them right back on track. So I love the steps that you just described. I'll repeat them real quick. So in step one, quiet your <laughs> own mind. Step two, listen fully and openly. Step three, listen to the underlying feelings. Number four, don't interrupt. Yes. And number five, say back the essence of what they are saying. And it's a really beautiful process that you described. And there's this little voice in the back of my head that says, well, that's a lot easier said than done because... I wanted to ask you about communicating when we are perhaps angry, when we are perhaps frustrated, or when we might even be threatened by like what the person is saying. You know, whether it's like our boss who's giving us like criticism about our job, or whether it's our partner who says like something that we're doing is causing them a lot of pain, for example, and we 
have a tendency to get defensive. And I know that as human beings, we have this flight, fright, freeze response, which very often shuts down the higher cortical functioning that is necessary for us to, say, quiet the mind and listen with empathy and understanding. So I'm curious about how couples in relationships who find themselves arguing and who find themselves almost getting elevated in their anger or frustration, how can you move towards more effective communication when your blood mm -hmm. pressure is rising, for example? Great point. Great question. Well, this is, a, this is a common one. If I feel that I'm being attacked or misunderstood and I, I'm feeling hurt or upset, then like you said, it's easy to fight back, which would be, hey, you idiot, you can't talk to me like that. Or, and then that's really a flamethrower going back. Or I retreat altogether, which would be flight. Uh, and I just, you know, be quiet and mum, uh, but harboring resentment and anger. Or I'm stuck in between like a deer caught in the headlights where I'm just stunned. I don't know how to, re how to respond. None of those are constructive. None of them get to healthy communication. Let me put it that way. So there's something called the XYZ message or often called the XYZ statement. And it goes something like this. Let's say you and I are working on a project and I don't think you're doing a great job on your end. Let's do that. No, you're the one that's not doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's do let's do that one instead. Okay, you're doing fine, but let's say you think that I you you think that I'm slacking off. You think that I I'm not I'm not focusing enough on my end of the of the project. And let's say that you come in and say, "Hey, Bento, man, you're really slacking off. What the heck is going on? You know that thing is due by three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. I'm done with my piece. Where's yours now?" A very reactive way for me to be was, well, you don't even know my situation. Why are you yelling at me like that? And then we go off to the races and this, that, and the other thing. But maybe unbeknownst to you, our supervisor had asked me to do something else that I hadn't communicated with you. And he said, yeah, I know you're working with that thing with Zach, but I really need you to do this. It's really a higher priority right now. Boom, I got to, I got to take off for a few hours to do that. So I might be able to say back to you with an XYZ message instead of very reactive, I might say, Zach, when you told me that you thought I was slacking off and I was not really slacking off at all, but I was responding to another situation that our boss had asked me to, I really felt jumped on and, and misunderstood by that without you even asking what, what my situation was. Now, that's an I statement. In other words, Zach, when you did this in a kind of an inflammatory way, I felt, I felt misunderstood. I felt hurt. I felt that I was uh, demeaned by what you said versus me yelling back at you like, you don't know what the hell's going on or something along those lines. So there's a the XYZ message is a way to express myself on what could be a hot topic, but keeping my composure. Again, I still want to deal with respect. I also have to recognize that you're feeling hot not because you want to get upset, but because you're feeling pressure that this thing is due tomorrow at three o'clock or whatever the time is. And so you're worried about that. So I get it. And, and uh, but I'm also worried about that because I know it's due tomorrow. So I'm kind of drilling down in this particular fictitious uh, topic. But the way for me to reply there would be instead of getting hot and bothered at you or biting my tongue and just saying, there he goes again, jumping on me without knowing my story and get resentful about it. There's a way for me to use this technique called the XYZ message, which is an I statement rather than an accusatory you statement. And I go into it in detail in the book. And that is, Zach, when you came across to me like that, without knowing my situation, I felt really misunderstood and even demeaned 
by that. And then I can say, here's what actually happened. And then you might say, oh, I didn't realize. So then, or it could have been, well, I wish you'd have told me or something along those. Then you can move to problem solving about if this happens next time, what's the better way to handle it? But yeah, this is a big one. Uh, People blow up at each other and uh, people feel hurt, misunderstood, and often will attack back with an accusatory use statement. But this XYZ statement is actually, with iMessage inside of it, is actually more calming, more constructive, and able to get the two parties working closer together. Communication skill, you'd think that, well, you're born with ears, you're born with the mouth. Obviously, you know how to communicate. No, though, you got to learn skills. That would be like buying a hammer at the store and suddenly you know how to build a house. No, you could break a window or hurt somebody with that hammer if you're not skillful. No, I love that. Basically, when you do X in situation Y, then I feel Z. And rather than, as you say, get hot and bothered, we use these I statements and talk about our own personal experience. And you just mentioned, and I love this metaphor, that like communication is like a hammer. And if we don't know how to wield it, we can easily hurt somebody. And I am wondering about what we can do about repairing relationships. So if you do make a mistake in communicating with someone, for example, you misunderstood them or you hurt their feelings, or sometimes in relationships, even with the people that we love, we unintentionally hurt them or we're in an elevated state and we say things we don't mean. So how can you go back to situations and begin to repair them? Great question. It happens a lot. If you realize an attempted communication has gone south or has been contentious and broken off in that moment, and you calm down a little bit and you and you self-reflect and you realize, hey, it was really my fault that it went that way, then it really is a moment for humility and to be able to go back to the other person and say, hey, you got a moment, because they might not be calmed down yet. And they might say, no, 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 I don't have a moment right now. Okay, well, when you feel better, I just want to come back and talk with you. And then when a person is open to receive it, then you say, you know, I'm really sorry. The way I spoke when we were talking about that topic earlier, I didn't do right. And I said some things that were wrong, probably hurtful, and I'm sorry. I have feelings about that topic, but the way I way I did it was very disrespectful. And if you're open, I'd like to Let's talk up, talk about that topic again, and I'm going to be much more responsible on my side and more respectful of you and your position. So it really is, it's kind of biting the bullet and coming back on that. I'm, and I mentioned in my book a story, this is a perfect story, where this, this mother, a single mom of a, a teenage boy, she saw that her son was having a lot of challenges, but she kept trying to get him to open up, but he wouldn't tell her, how you doing, honey? No, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, but he wasn't. And so she was getting frustrated about it. And then um, she went to my class and then she realized maybe I'm doing, maybe she, her thinking herself, maybe I'm doing some things wrong that's making him clam up. And then she, re- she thought back to some of the things she's done. She thought maybe I've been a, a poor miscommunicator and, and I've made it hard for him to talk with me. That maybe when he gets two words out of his mouth, I'm already telling him what he's doing wrong or what he should do better. And he doesn't feel the door is open to share. She approached her son and said, this true story, she said, you know, I've been taking this class, Johnny, I'll use the name Johnny, and I realized that on many occasions, my communication has been poor. Now he's starting to open up. And she said, you know, I apologize for that. You're the most important person in my life. But if I've said or done some things that hurt you or made you feel not understood, I apologize and I want to do better. And the son began to open up. And he said, yeah, the other day you said this, or you said that, and you accused me of this. And, and instead of defending herself, she just listened with empathy, what we're talking about. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So that that bothered you when I did that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was just listening. And once he felt he unpacked his heart and mind and he felt that she genuinely received it, he unpacked himself. And then it was like more open and she was more thoughtful about how to proceed. And if actually it improved their relationship greatly. Sometimes it's a case of I just need to realize I made a mistake and just go back and be courageous enough and bold enough, honest enough to apologize, make a new start. Yeah, I really appreciate the first checking in, you know, if somebody is ready to talk and then apologizing. I remember one of the best pieces of advice I heard many years ago is basically if you have even like this tiniest ounce of responsibility for a situation, it's okay to apologize. Even if you feel like they're 99% responsible, there's still (laughs) that 1% that is you. And so often when we do open up about our own mistakes and our own misgivings, it gives them an opportunity, you know, opens the door for them to walk through and they say, oh, well, you know, I'm not perfect either. And yeah, really fosters that connection. Yeah, very, very well said. Sometimes the humility and apology on your side could lead to, like you just said, the other person saying, you know, I wasn't too good with that either. In other words, you set a standard of humility that now can be uh, duplicated by the other person. They feel that you're coming back with a, with an olive branch and they can do self-reflect. And they may not. They may say, yeah, they know what you said really stunned me. But yeah, well, OK, if you want to, well, let's, let's try to revisit this conversation. They may not find themselves needing to apologize, but they, they well could, depending like what you just said. It can wipe the slate's clean in a sense and start over. And the person will feel uh, the level of integrity on your side to have owned up to maybe some error. And uh, even though you got a different point of view on the subject, that you're humble enough to say, you know, I made a mistake. Please forgive me. Let's start over. So simple. I made a mistake. Please forgive me. Let's start over. <laughs> and, and, and they may take time to forgive you. <laughs> you, you, you can, only, Like you just said, 1% and 99%, but you can only control your side of the equation. The other person may right. not be in a position, may have been stung too much. They might say, yeah, but I'm just not ready right now. So you can't force them. Well, hey, you're supposed to forgive me. I just apologize. You can't, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't weigh in and demand that. You can only do your part. You, you can say, okay, well, when you're ready, I'm prepared to talk about this more skillfully, but I understand if it's going to take some time. And that lets them know that you get that they've been stung and you're going to give them that that pace. This level of love and respect, and I'm going to use the word love here, not only in an intimate setting, but let's just say it's an it's a it's the human uh, attitude to to love thy neighbor or love other people. And uh, whether it's in a family level or co-work or whatever, it's just a genuine way of appreciating the value of another human being. And when people feel valued, it's like a healing salve. It can it can cover a lot of things. Being valued is a healing salve. <laughs> and I appreciate you bringing love because that is another thing I wanted to dive into today because you do write about in your book about seeing each day as an opportunity to grow in love and compassion. And I'm wondering, well, how? <laughs> So you mentioned, you know, loving thy neighbor, which, you know, loving thy neighbor, like everyone knows this. Everyone knows the golden rule, um, do unto others until they would do unto you. And yet, you know, there's still hatred and ill will in the world. And I'm wondering, how can we encourage our listeners to bring more love and compassion into all of their interactions? Well, very good point. I think a lot of it is how you start your day. Some will say it's how you go to sleep at night, how you close the day to get a restful night's sleep thoughtfully as well as physiologically, and then wake up with a with a greater, seeing the daylight even if it's cloudy outside. In other words, being able to look more positive, not Pollyanna, but being able to have a bright, bright, energetic 
day that today's another opportunity. I'm alive. We don't know how long we're going to be alive. Uh, some live younger, uh, older than others. And But every day is kind of like a gift. And the opportunities that come my way, maybe they're, maybe half of them I got in my, or less, are in my schedule book of what's going to happen. Other things just come on the fly, uh, surprising, or this or that. Communications will show up. But if I start my day thoughtfully, some people do uh, reflection. They might uh, They might do prayer, meditation. There might be some uh, good uh, inspirational reading. I talk about that uh, in the beginning of my book on empathic awareness, how you set yourself up to be a, the best yourself for the day. And this is before you do anything else with work and driving or this is how do I, how do I prepare myself for this day? And if I take today as like, a, a, I'm in the classroom of life, okay? This I have today. Yesterday is yesterday. Tomorrow is tomorrow. But right now, this is my classroom to be the best person I can be. And if I can, if I can do, if I can do more good today than bad, or if I'm, if I'm better today than the things I, I wasn't better today, then today will be a victory and I can throw those victories to tomorrow. Hopefully we get better with each day. It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes we make a mistake and boom, man, we really fell down there with that relationship. But then you just keep improving, improving. But I think the value of a 24-hour period is that, wow. I can wake up and I can make a new start today. And uh, again, there's a lot of great books. There's webinars or sermons. There's seminars, whatever it is that can lift you up and sharpen your lens and have you be grateful for life and grateful for the people in your life. Or there's something to learn, even from strangers. The person that cuts you off on the road, you say, oh, I didn't even know this guy, but they almost killed me and about 10 other people. Okay, that may be true. He's got to deal with his thing. But in the meantime... Things come up. How can I calm myself down? How can I, you know, I got to own my life instead of uh, getting all belligerent and chase the guy down. How can I calm myself down? And, you know, maybe the guy had a bad day or, you know, whatever it is, not justifying bad behavior, but you, you never know. You never know. But we can only own our side. But yeah, how to make each day valuable. Even like this opportunity here, we reached out to each other. You got in touch with me. Here we are doing this is a great opportunity. So I feel, hey, if Zach is trying to uh, share some love to his contacts, his audience, and and I can give some some good content to help with that, hey, what a blessing! You know, it's a blessing to be able to do these kind of things. It really is a blessing, and I this will be the 29th or 30th episode, and every time I learn something new, I love this metaphor that you just brought in that every day we wake up in the classroom of life. Mm. And <laughs> our lesson is to be the best person we can be. We are here to learn to love. And that's the lesson of every day. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. We already went over a, a number of awesome tools. So we talked about the five steps to empathic listening. We talked about XYZ statements. We talked about repairing conflict. And there's a few more I want to get into from your book. And one of them I really enjoyed was what you call the three A's, like the letter A. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about the three A's. <laughs> Very good. These are nutrients you can give to your relationship with other people without just using skills to put fires out or to try to work on problems. But I, the three A's are applaud, admire, appreciate. Now, applaud can be also be congratulate, but I like the three A part. Applaud means hand clap, give an, you know, an ovation to the other person for something they've said or done and admire them to really look up to them or learn from them and to appreciate something that they have done. And what this does is it kind of waters your relationship with them. It really, it, 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 people, people want to be applauded. 
admired and appreciated. So applaud would be, for example, let's say that uh, uh, my coworker really did a great presentation at, at the at the staff meeting today, and now we're walking out or we're going to the break, and I can just walk up to him or her and say, hey, Mary, I just want you to know that was an outstanding presentation. You really made it. I just want to congratulate you. hit all the points, and you did a great job. It's unsolicited. I go over there on my own. Now, I got, it's got to be genuine. If I thought that it wasn't a good relationship, I'm not going to necessarily go up and say hand clap all around. But I'm going to, you know, if it's, if it's applaud worthy, let me say it, not just think it. So this is a big point here. Sometimes we, we think applaud, admire, appreciate, but we don't articulate it. And we sometimes think the other person should know how I feel. Well, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But you can always make sure when you articulate it. Admire would mean something similar which is something like, I really admire how you handle yourself in the workplace. I'll use that for example. I just admire how you work with that person over there and talk with them. I tell my wife, honey, I just admire how you handle your daily life and how you do things, how you care for other people. I learn a lot from you. That's edifying. And appreciation is when something is, if somebody has done or said something that has helped you or been beneficial, even if it's the smallest thing, then you notice it. Hey, I just want you to know Uh, Those kind words you said to me this morning when I did this or that, I just really appreciate that. And when you appreciated me, uh, it lifted me up. And, you know, people like to be appreciated and they like to be appreciated for their appreciation. So these are just things that and they don't take they don't take any time at all. But it's like watering your relationship garden, taking care of your relationships. Each one is different. I got three kids. They are different. And the water for this relationship with this child is different for that one. And you deal with them one-on-one, just not as a just as a big collective. Same is true in the workplace or any other environment. People are individuals. And when when we express ourselves, applaud, admire, appreciate is how I have it there in that in that one chapter. I think that's just goodness we can get out there. People love it. And they'll gravitate more toward you because they feel, wow, I'm gonna this is a good thing. I'm gonna get goodness out of this relationship. So So to applaud, admire, and appreciate is like watering your relationship garden. And it reminds me of the studies that show that positive feedback is often more effective than negative feedback. You know, negative feedback is often like, oh, don't do that thing. And then you basically have one piece of a situation to not do. But positive feedback often blossoms in terms of you did that thing like really well. And then it opens up all the things you can continue to do in all the different ways you can bring that positive action similarly into your life. So the three A's, really love them. And then you also have a very helpful mantra in your book that you use as an inner compass. So tell our listeners about your personal mantra. Well, it's actually the acronym PRAY, but it's not P-R-A-Y, it's P-R-A-A. That if I have done something wrong, or or let's just say I'm not listening correctly, or you're telling me something, but I find myself, I've drifted off, I'm thinking about something I got to do later, instead of focusing on what you're telling me now, then I pause, reflect, I make it adjust, and act. In other words, I pause right where I'm at, which is, hey, I'm going over here on the side on this thought when I should be focusing on what Zach is saying. So it's kind of like a stop sign. Then I reflect, what am I doing wrong here? I'm not paying attention to what he's saying. I make the adjustment, which is to quiet my mind and focus on you. And then I act empathically to listen to what you're saying. So that's using the PRAA, pause, reflect, adjust, act, to realign myself back on like, like a GPS. What's the target right now? 
The target right now is for me to understand what Zach is telling me about this very important thing in his life or situation he's dealing with. I want to be there for him. I want to be here for him. And so that anything that pulls me away, it kind of like gets me back on track. It would be like a GPS. If you're driving down the road and you start drifting to the, the shoulder, well, you want to get back in the lane more correctly. Otherwise, you find yourself going over the bank. Yeah, it's just kind of point of true north, and, and the true north is to make sure that relationship is going well. Being a good listener is one of the best things we could do. But that's, yeah, P-R-A-A. Pause, reflect, adjust, and act is a great way to stop whatever you're doing that might be unskillful and just get back in alignment. Yeah, I'm almost imagining like a post-it note, uh, you know, like <laughs> on the mirror in the bathroom, on the computer, at your office, like yeah. <laughs> before right, you right, flip right, the light right. switch. Yeah, yeah, just take yeah, a few would... minutes. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably working on it somewhere. And uh, or, <laughs> I'm not telling people to get a tattoo, but you put it on your wrist. What's that? Well, you know, I mean, just, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, the little mantras like that are helpful. You know, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned earlier when we were talking about preparing for the day and when we were talking about life being our classroom, because you did mention seminars and other inspirational readings. And you also mentioned prayer and meditation. And I'm wondering yeah. if there's any specific individuals, readings that you personally resonate with that help inspire you to live a more loving and compassionate life. Well, that's that's a great question. I I, I love reading the Bible. I like I like scriptural readings. I I think that's always edifying for me. I uh, I like Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. If some of your audience have heard that, it's it's a very powerful book where he focuses on one hour in the morning of trying to get a lot of things done in terms of meditation, uh, do a little writing, a review of the day, some exercise, and boom. It's whatever whatever is really, really handy for you. Um, in terms of uh, books, um, boy, there's so many. Uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'll crack that open often uh, because he's got one of his habits in there is uh, seek first to understand, then to be understood. That's one of the seven habits right there. I think it's habit number five. Uh, but there's so many good things out there. There's uh, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, which some of your audience may be familiar with. It's also a famous book. But there's some really good classics out there that deserve being reviewed again and again. Yes, I love those resources. We've talked about the five love languages many times in the podcast. So it's always a oh, lovely yeah. text oh, to yeah. return to. Tony Robbins has got some good stuff. He generally goes, uh, you know, really high energy and, but he's more get up and do it. Do something energetic to feel like it. <laughs> so you want to act yourself into feeling, then feel yourself into action. So it's kind of like movement, move, even if you don't feel like it, suddenly you'll start feeling like it. <laughs> it's kind of one of those kind of things. And yeah, there's just so many good resources out there. So Another thing I wanted to ask you, we are running a little bit low in time, so we have about time for about two more questions. Yeah. And one of the things I want to ask you is what kind of shifts you have seen in people's lives and their relationships after they have started to adopt many of these communication skills? Yeah. I think I think a lot of people want like the ultimate panacea that will give them absolutely no problems in their relationship and make them lots of money in their workplace. And they also want immediate results. But many of these things take time. And these are all tools we can bring into our lives more and more every day. And you also mentioned every day is the classroom of life and we get better and better at it. 
So, you know, you've been married a long time. You've been teaching this a long time. As a person begins to adopt these things in their life, what are some changes that they see? And what can they expect once they've, quote unquote, mastered all of the communication tools? <laughs> well, I don't know if you ever fully master it. You're always learning uh, more and more and more how to get better and better. But I think the biggest one that I've seen is the, the whole thing on empathic listening, which is really listen to understand rather than to say what, what you would do in the situation or some other way to, that will block that listening. I think really listening to understand the other person fully without thinking what you're going to say next is really the most important thing. And I've seen where a couple, I remember one, one lady came into my class, or at the end of the class, she stood up. I said, anybody have any feedback from this evening? And she, this one lady said, yeah, I came to this class hoping to hear that my, hoping my husband, who's now sitting right next to her, well, would become a better listener. <laughs> everybody, kind of, everybody kind of laughed. And then, uh, but she then, and he was looking at her like, okay. But then she said, you know, I realized I hadn't been listening very well either. I thought the problem was him, but really a lot of the problem was me. And I find that that's usually the case. It's hard. It takes a lot of strength. It's like building a muscle to really be able to listen to understand. It's not It's not a casual enterprise. It takes effort to really focus on another person when you'd rather just space out. And sometimes you may be too tired. You might say, honey, I know it's an important topic for you right now, but I'm just really bush. Can you wait till after dinner? I'm still trying to gather myself. And then the person might give you the time for that to re because they want you to be on all all cylinders when you listen to them. Or they might say, I know, but it's really important. I got to tell you now. Well, then that raises up the ante. And then you realize, well, uh, they can't really wait. I better really just zero in here. But if you can't, you know, just really listen to understand, it becomes a great adventure to listen to another. It's really an act of love. I, I, I have to say, one of the greatest act of loves you can do is to just listen to really understand the other person. It actually speaks volume, although you're really not speaking. You're just showing that you care and the person is able to unpack their heart and their feelings. And there you are to receive it. And sometimes they can work out their own challenges just by you talking, by, by them talking to you. They put it out on the table. They articulate it for you. It becomes more articulated for themselves. They say, wow, this has been a great conversation. I think I know what I need to do. And you're thinking, I didn't do anything. I just listened. Yeah, but they were able to unpack this flurry in themselves uh, in an articulate way for you but it was also more articulate for them. So I think that's the number one. And then the other thing, and I, and I get this in the chapter six in my book, which is listening blocks to effective communication. And some of these blocks, people think they're trying to do, they're trying to be helpful. And I remember when my kids were a teenager and they tell me about an issue and I'd say, and I want to be Mr. Fix-It, right? Well, I think you should do this. How, you know, why don't you do that? Why don't you? Before they finish saying what the issue is, I'm already giving advice. And I think I'm doing a good job. But actually, they don't want to hear advice. They want to be able to share what's on their mind and heart uh, first. And then maybe if you have some thoughts, you might say, boy, that's really interesting what you said about that. I can see the challenge. Um, I have some thoughts on that. Do you want to hear it? Then you've offered it as, okay, they've, they've now said everything they want to say. Um, then maybe uh, they, can, they can say, yeah, I'm open to hear what you have to say. You're in the suggestion. But many times people jump right in. And they think they're being helpful, but they're actually hijacking the conversation. But listening, listening, listening. And the first part, just value the other person. Value the other person as a human being. They're also living their life. It's not easy for them, just like it's not easy for you. Everybody's trying to do the best they can. If you want people to give you slack, give them some slack too. And sometimes we've got good days and bad days, and, and so do the other person. I Hope love the story that, that you present. <laughs> 
No, it absolutely does. I love the story that you mentioned because I like to say that nobody goes to a couple's counseling to work on themselves, right? It's often always the other person. <laughs> and then when a couple does come to something like a listening or communication workshop, they're like, oh, I see. It's, it's you know, there's things <laughs> I'm doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Um, and, and let me pause there. And it's so clear because you can almost see the, the ladies when it's a couple's workshop and they manage to get their husband to show up. It's not always this, but oftentimes it is this situation. You can almost see her glee in her mind. I brought him to the class. I hope he, <laughs> le- I hope he learns a lot. He needs to learn a lot. And as she's sitting there hoping that her husband's getting it, you can see her face begin to change. It's not always gender specific like this, but it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's still got to change, but boy, do I need to change a few things. And when they both realize that, it really equalizes it because it's amazing how many times, just like you said, the other person is hoping that the other person gets it. Uh, But really, it's an opportunity to look in the mirror. It certainly was like that for me when I first learned these things. It was like, wow, I thought I was a good communicator. But man, uh, if this is what communication can be, I haven't been doing it. And that really set me on my path. So I love another thing that you said earlier, which is one of the greatest acts of love you can do is listen to understand. And that leads into my final question, which I love to ask all of my guests, which is quite simply, what do you wish everyone knew about love? Oh boy, great question. I think love is give and receive. I think love is caring for the value of the other person, for who they are, not for what you wish they might be, but for who they are in the moment right there. And to be open, to be loved, to also be embraced, to exercise uh, valuing the other person, treat them with respect. And you know, love is really, it's emotion sentiment. It's not just a feeling inside of me, but love I think is a really active verb. It's really expressing care either verbally or by a physical action or just even internally putting yourself in the other person's place uh, and they can feel it even if you haven't said a lot of things. Love is an active verb of thought, word, and action for the well-being of others. And as you're open to go out, then the same door is open to receive in. It's thoughts, words, and actions for the benefit of others and their uplifting Love is caring and valuing the other person for who they are in the moment right there. Wow, you got it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. You've been, you're this, on it. This whole time I'm like, oh, listen, listen, focus, listen, quiet the mind, listen. <laughs> there you go. Hey, good job. Good job, Zach. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, anyways, th- thank you so much, Bento, for coming onto the show, for sharing your wisdom. For our listeners who want to learn more about you, how can they find you? And you are also working on a new book. And uh, do you know when that's going to come out at all? Well, I'm, I'm about 80% done. It's uh, building the parent-child connection uh, through empathic listening. And I, that's going to come out soon. Uh, you'll see my, my, if you go, my name is Bento, B-E-N-T-O, uh, Leal, L-E-A-L. You can type that at Amazon. All my stuff is going to be at, my books are going to be at Amazon. I also have my website, bentoleal.com. If you go right there, you'll find out more about me and you'll be able to see a link to my book right there. Just click on that. It'll take you to my book at Amazon. But that's the best way is uh, bentoleal.com. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Bento, for coming on to the show. I applaud you for reaching out and hopping on the show. I admire the work that you do in the world, and I appreciate all the wisdom that you've shared wow. with us in well, this session. Well, thank you for those three A's. <laughs> thank you for those three A's, Zach, and they're coming right back. I applaud you for your work. I admire you for how you're doing it, and I really appreciate that I could be on your show today. It was a great interview. Thank you very much. Uh, warms my heart. Thank you so much. And thank you listeners for listening to the show. We applaud you for making it this far in the episode. We admire you for devoting time in your life to bring more love into the world. And I appreciate you so much for listening to the show. We hope you learned a lot. And if you want to learn more about me, you can head to ZachBeach.com and learn more about the show at TheHeartCenter.com. Thanks again, Bento. Thank you very much, Zach. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to the Learn to Love podcast. To learn more about the show and your host, head over to ZachBeach.com or TheHeartCenter.com. You can also follow Zach on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 